How do you think we should actually separate guys and define who the true MVP is in any given year? First one is you need to be top three in win shares per 48 minutes. You need to be a top five in player efficiency rating. You need to be a top three team in your conference, or you need to lead the league in on an offensive statistical category. Welcome to the Basketball Forever podcast. I'm Nick Jungfurt, head of editorial here. Joining me, as always, the founder and a man who still thinks about the Chris Anderson Denver Nuggets sometimes, Alex Humsky. Oh, that was my favorite era of basketball. You loved him. Birdman, Chris Anderson was one of the reasons. That's what made me a Denver Nuggets fan. Really, like in, well, it was that and Iverson. Iverson in 06, I was like, I love this team. <laughs> but Birdman, he, it was just something about him. He had that chutzpah. <laughs> it was so fun to watch. He blocked, he, uh, he had the most, bear in mind, he was like second in the league in blocks per game in like, can't remember, maybe 08, 09, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, only behind Dwight Howard. And the dude played like 20 minutes a game, 19 minutes a game. Yeah. He's blocks per 48 minutes. It was like one of the highest in, I don't know, the last 20 years or something. You love that guy. You you love pulling up his highlights in the office. You know how when you want to get a teacher, like a substitute teacher distracted, you just get them talking about something that they're obsessed with? <laughs> That's you. I'll just bring up Birdman and we're not doing any work for at least an hour. We'll have to throw this up on the screen. Jordan knows what I'm. He, he knows the highlight. There's this one where he like blocked the absolute living shit out of Rudy Fernandez, and it like yeah. ricocheted off his face, and it actually <laughs> looked yeah. like it broke his body. And then he just looks straight down, like the camera, I think, or he like mm. looked in the direction of the broadcast camera and just yeah, <laughs> some <laughs> that, of these that slick back hair that he oh, had. Oh my gosh! And I was like. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's the goat. <laughs> this guy's the goat. <laughs> and I was doing that, and then I, I would play pickup, and I was doing that. I was blocking <sighs> oh. after every block. Yeah, I don't God, know if you was, can do that when it when you when I was insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, speaking of Denver Nuggets, we've been mm. watching plenty of Nuggets and plenty of Sixes. Um, yeah. Thanks to the MVP race, mm-hmm. um, and it's a close one. It's getting interesting. I mean, I'm getting rugged on Sportsbet at the moment. It's jumping between. Um, <laughs> I'm going between having uh, Nicola as the favorite to then Embiid's the favorite, mm. and then uh, Embiid rules himself out of the game against Nicola in Denver, and then Nicola's the favorite again on some apps, but not on the others. And Mm-mm. I can't. I don't know who's supposed to be winning this thing at this point. I have a bit of an idea. But it seems like the market's not sure right now. Fans definitely aren't. And, and this is exactly why we're doing this episode and why we got pretty surgical with working out statistically who should win it. Yeah. But not just um, basic stats, but going a little deeper than that and also looking at what has been the requirement for mm-hmm. an MVP in the past, which is tricky because the goalposts have moved a little bit. A bit back and forth over time. But people, it's really funny. Like, this is such a regular discussion. And I've always said that, you know, the MVP is a little bit arbitrary in how it's awarded because it is very narrative-based. 
mm. and it's voted on by the media, which is, you know, that that has its sort of pitfalls. But I think what's media, what, yeah, <laughs> uh, fuck us, yeah, I know, <laughs> like we're not a part of that. Um, but I think what is interesting is that, um, oops, I don't want to step on that. Um, I think what is interesting though is there are a set of parameters that basically every MVP like candidate falls into. Mm. So there is actually a way to sort of say whether someone should qualify or shouldn't. Uh, and, and based on that, it is, you know, you can predict who either wins it or should be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's, it's, I guess if you, it's pretty easy to say this now, given that we've had a whole season under our belt um, and we're looking at it from, you know, what they've achieved, uh, their body of work for this season so far. Uh, it's not really like necessarily a predictive um, algorithm, but it is uh, a formula for working out what does their body of work look like this year mm. and did they do enough to qualify as a clear-cut MVP based on that same threshold that every other player has had to meet in order to win the award. Right, right. It was hard to find anything that might rule someone out. You know, like I was trying to find, is there something that either Jokic and Bede and Giannis as well, um, do any of them have a statistical sore point that, we can use to sort of separate them and say, mm. you know what, you might, we might have to rule you out of what is a very tight race. Mm. The only thing I could find, and tell me if you found anything else, was, you know, we're looking at obviously points, rebounds, assists, but also things like PR, win shares, uh, how many actual total wins have you got your team, what seed are you, things yeah. like this. Um, now, in terms of win shares, we went back to 2000, and all of these have been the last 23 years, right? Yeah, back yeah. to 2000. Yep. Um, and so win shares, no one is below 11 mm-hmm. to give people an idea of the range that we're looking at. And then the absolute um, elite in terms of win shares, like LeBron 09 had 20.9. Mm-hmm. But Giannis only has 8.2, which yep. is significantly below what any MVP has had it since 2000. Yep. That was the only sore spot I could find for any of these guys really uh, that at least stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I think this this race in particular, um, it's, uh, it, is a, it is a bit of a two-horse race. So when that happens, it comes down to, mm. well, who's excelling in some of these categories? Like even if they're uh, Embiid and Nikola are, excelling in every category, you then have to start mm-hmm. getting granular and working out, well, if it's such a close race, what are the metrics that are differentiating them? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what's, what, what are the small things? And I think it does come down to the fact that Nikola leads in like just about every advanced statistic that there is um, this, this season. But then also he's a little bit higher in the minimum threshold statistics that are required in order to be an MVP candidate, right? Right, right. That you mentioned some of the um, advanced stats, but even some basic ones as well. So because he's leading Embiid in rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, three point percentage, total wins, PER, and win shares. Well, it goes deeper than that because mm. not only is he leading in 
like player efficiency rating and win shares, but he's leading in the league, not just Embiid, mm. the whole NBA, in offensive win shares, box plus minus, offensive box plus minus, defensive box plus minus, and value over replacement player, all by material margins except for the PER, mm. which is still insanely high. It's just, however, Embiid's also quite high, but he's just, you know, that much better. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Embiid, he's not far behind at all. It's point two hmm. uh, in terms of PR, the difference between the two of them. And you've got Denver with the better record currently and the number one seed in the West. Hmm. I, I think it's really interesting, though, looking at the last, because these are this is basically, and tell me if I'm wrong, but this is basically my assessment of what qualifies as an MVP in the modern era. You have to be doing one, sorry, not one. You need to be doing a good majority of all of these things. One's probably not going to get you there, but it could in in sort of <laughs> certain circumstances, and we'll talk about what those outliers are mm. and how you reach that threshold. But it seems to me that it, you've got, you need to be basically what you, you have to have a, a player efficiency rating um, that's just about top of the league. You've got mm-hmm. to be sort of in the in the upper echelon, top three, top five in, in player efficiency rating. You need to essentially lead the league in win shares. If you're not leading in win shares, you need to be leading in win shares per 48 minutes. Mm. If you're because you might be playing less minutes than other players because of your team's success or whatever. Mm. So per 48 is is how we can uh, standardize it across the league. You've got to be leading in one of the two. Your team needs to be one through three, like either one, two, or three seed in your conference, unless you're an outlier. There's a few of those. We'll get to those. But typically, last 20 years, they've all been either the first or the second seed, it looks like. Yes. In fact, Um, I don't even remember if there was a third. There isn't even a third seed. Every season since 2000, except for two seasons, uh, the MVP has been the one or the two seed. And by the looks of that, the times that there has been an MVP that hasn't been a top three seed or top two seed in the NBA in their conference are players that have been able to achieve something historical. Mm. So they have to do something. The magnitude of the achievement is just so great and 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 it has such... Uh, deep ripple effects across the NBA and history and, you know, is just head and shoulders above what anybody else has achieved or, you know, is in that sort of rare air category Uh, and they're a playoff team, that then they get the MVP nod. And the two in the last 23 years are Russell Westbrook in 2017 when he was the first player to average a triple-double since... Oscar Robertson, mm. which has now been, it's a bit of a shame um, that it's funny. It, it's sort of funny that that was like the the yardstick because then he went on to do it a bunch more times. And we didn't care. And now we've standardized uh, triple doubles. We're, we're used to it. We're desensitized. We're, desensitized, we're not past standardized. It. Desensitized yeah, yeah. is what I meant to say. Um, and then uh, 2022, Jokic was when he was able to set the all-time record for player efficiency rating mm. above Wilt. Like, yep. 
uh, at that point, th- there are certain feats that just seem to automatically you're a shoe in. That's it. Yeah. That's that, look, we we ignore all of our rules. It's like you've done something incredible. Right. And I think the interesting thing, uh, and I know I'm sort of rambling here, but like go for it. It's it's been on my mind. <laughs> what frustrates me is that Jokic has now been able to achieve not just the standard requirements, so PER, win shares, seeding, but he's also a, a, um, able to uh, achieve the historical magnitude mm. in that he's now averaging a triple-double, which is like, what's our list now? Westbrook, Oscar Robertson, Robertson, Robert, uh, Robertson, jeez, it's a long, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, clearly. And now Nicola. Yeah. We, and there's still a debate. Right. That's it's mind blowing to me. It's like th- this could possibly be. No one has ever, as in NBA history, and I can say this now because the stats are here. Anyone can look at this. No one has had a more efficient and more productive body of work as an MVP candidate in NBA history than Nikola mm. this year, and there's still an open question. Right. He's not the favorite right now as of this moment. Yeah. That is incredible to me. So That's mind-blowing. We gave it to Russ because he averaged a triple-double. Jokic can then go out, average a triple-double, and then do other historic shit, not just hang his hat solely on the triple-double. So this is what I meant earlier about the the goalposts moving. It's kind of like you have to blow everyone's mind. Yeah. And then they immediately get used to that. And then so if you do the same thing, it's just as impressive next year, Mm. but it's not something new that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And then you're not the MVP. But you may still be the best player in the league. Of course. But it just doesn't really kind of add up. No. Right. And and there is, you know, voter fatigue does come into this. Mm-hmm. Winning three in a row is obviously incredibly difficult. And Nicola three-peat is, it's, it's kind of like they would look for reasons not to give it to him. But of all the seasons, to look for reasons to not give it to him, you pick the season where he's number one in the West, where he's averaging a triple-double, mm-hmm. where he's got the highest PER in the league, the most win shares, the, the, the best value over replacement player. Like every – he's, he's plus-minus, the, the, box, the box plus-minus. Just there has never been a more clear-cut time, and this is the one that we choose to have voter fatigue on. I actually think it's disrespectful. I almost think that no one has been held to a high – we talk about players being held to a high standard, impossible standards. That's Nicola. We no one has said to. I mean, I you know I'm actually not trying to. That's got a little bit unfair actually because he has won back to back MVPs, so he has had his flowers. Yeah, but this year, this year, voter fatigue kicks in. But there's no not a worse time to have caught voter fatigue. I hate voter fatigue. If you were the best guy five years in a row, you should win it five years in a row. I don't. Yeah. I don't care if. About your fatigue or your boredom of picking the same guy. Because they say that about LeBron, but 
there's and MJ. MJ should have won it like ten straight years or something. But I, I actually quite, think but... I actually think there's a case that you know LeBron, you know, wasn't. Yeah, there, there were players that had put together more valuable seasons um, yeah. than than LeBron by the threshold that we use. Um, even in 2013-14, that year, um, Kevin Durant won. He actually got. 109 he got most of the first place votes of the possible 1250 points he had 1232 mm. of the voting points that was off the back of a 0.295 win shares per 48 but then his win shares just in general was, was overall was a 19.2 next was lebron at 15.9 so you know, um, and then player efficiency rating, it was obviously incredibly high. And then, you know, KD played 81 games, um, averaged 32 a night. You know, these, I don't think LeBron was like clear cut right the way through. It's not like he should have had, you know, the Colin Coherds and Nick Wrights of the world will tell you that he deserved it for 10 years straight. Yeah. But the data, the actual metrics that we use that you can see that, the patterns in how this is awarded, uh, LeBron wasn't clear cut. Mm. There's some trash MVPs here. I'll give you that, but <laughs> Le- LeBron's not the one, the clear cut winner. There was no voter fatigue there. Yeah. Players deserved it over him. Yeah, Steph deserved it based on these statistics. Right. You know, just getting back to Embiid, I know that you have this same feeling as well, mm. and this is. This is the opposite of diving deep into the data. This is the least scientific thing I could possibly say, really. Just when we were getting statistical. <laughs> but, you know, just I feel like your gut feelings about guys matters as well. And what I'm getting at is, you know how you can just never feel like... We joke about never bet on Philly. I don't care if they're playing Orlando. Yeah, it's our rule. Yeah. I don't touch them. Just... I, I should. I'm destined for heartbreak. Can I, I'd love to have a little more confidence in a team with the supposed MVP on it. Yeah, but what? but I, no, I'm just trying to be fair here. Yeah, I don't have that confidence in Denver. I was going to bet on them today, mm. and I didn't because I was like, oh, I just remember th- that that five game stretch where they just dropped every game. The di- well, the difference to me is it feels like this. L- uh, Almost the entire season, I haven't felt great about Philly. Whereas, yeah, Denver, I haven't felt great about them since that five-game stretch you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that was the stretch when the odds completely flipped. Yeah, Jokic was leading by a country mile for most of the year. Mm. He had five bad games, and I was like, "Oh, I guess you're not the MVP anymore." Yeah, if that's what <laughs> really, that's what it was. Seventy amazing games, five bad ones. Oh, the other guy wins. There's tons of recency bias in this. Like, oh yeah, there, there is for. It's it's annoying because there is a little bit of that for like voters, but the reality is that the statistics are the statistics, mm. and I think that you know, no matter who wins it this year, I think this could be the first year that the mold gets aggressively broken since the outlier years, which I guess is as recent as last year. So it's not that cool, but it's going to be twenty six, sorry, twenty seventeen. 2022 and 2023 that are outside outlier years where someone wins for reasons outside of the standard measuring stick 
that's used to assessing MVPs. But do either of these guys this year fall that far outside of? I just say I say that because it'll be the first time we've had someone that can do what was required in order to win it in 2017, but also meet all of the other requirements and then still not win it. Yeah. That just becomes the voter fatigue rule. Right. That's got nothing to do with what his his output or his production. At that point, it's just, you're just getting rugged. Yeah. At no fault of your own. It, it would be an all-time rugging. And that's not to say that he's infinitely better than Embiid, but it's... Every, it's, no, it's, it's a slim just margin. Ticking every box and then some. It, it's it's a slim margin, but at the end of the day, he invented more boxes and then tick them too. Exactly. Yeah. You need to be able to point to something, and that's why these rules exist. They're not they're unspoken rules, mm-hmm. as in no one's sitting there and saying these are the rules of how to pick your MVP and handing the cards to all the voters. But the voters know. Yeah. It's why we see these statistical trends. It's why there's never anyone with a. There are outliers again. But that their narrative reasons, but I'm talking generally speaking, for the most part, yeah. they fall into these parameters. I'm interested in going over some of the more interesting ones where it they were borderline undeserving. Yeah. Just looking over these stats from the last sort of 23 years, um, there's a bunch that sort of stick out to me as uh, pretty underwhelming. Um, can I just... And I and I don't. This, this is the first time that I'm actually looking at these stats from this yeah. particular season. But can I just say I'm shocked at how much Nash in '05 and '06 back-to-back MVP, how little that shows up in the stats here. Yeah, it's crazy. You had to double check with me before the. I thought it was before wrong. we filmed that I hadn't made a mistake. So he reaches the threshold of being, they were the number one seed in 2005, number two in 2006. So he's got, he's got those. He's ticked that, yeah. Ticked that box. He's a number one or a number two seed. He has ticked, he's led in a statistical category. So assist, an offensive statistical category. So uh, assists. Um, so that's. That's a that's a that's a tick. Yeah. But then his PR is he had a 22 player efficiency rating in 2005, and then a 23.3 player efficiency rating, which for context is the lowest player efficiency ratings. Both of them, they're the two lowest last, ones, last and second last of any of the player efficiency ratings. Of the last 23 years. Of the MVPs of the last, yeah, and all then, the MVPs. And then to go, to make matters worse, the win shares are also the two lowest, it looks like. Yes. They are. They yep. are the two lowest. That is completely unbelievable. And his points per game, right? So the points per game, the win shares, and the PER, they're all last and second last among all the MVPs since 2000. Maybe... When Shaq said that he didn't deserve the MVP, Zin Nash, he was right. But then it's it's really interesting because it's hard to everyone says that, oh, what about Kobe? What about Kobe? Um so here's obviously here's the here's the stats for you. Um as in thirty five points per game, Kobe was yes. one of those years. So um we've got the year that Kobe averaged 
35 a game and took the Lakers to the playoffs, you could almost argue that that was one of the historical, like outlier right, seasons. Right, right, yeah. Because it was the most points averaged by a player since Michael Jordan at that time. Uh, but on top of that, the uh, Kobe had more win shares per 48 than Nash, more win- total win shares than Nash. Obviously, averaged 35 a game. Um, and I wonder what his, his efficient... He only had 22 first place votes to 57 yeah, mm. it's 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 one of those ones where you could make the argument that that's that's who should have won it, but then you know right there at number two for win shares is um is LeBron James with sixteen point three. Uh, Dirk had the most per forty eight that season. That Kobe season because it was not only thirty five a game; it was thirty five a game when scoring was a lot lower than it is today. Yeah, and we did a post. A few months back, where we worked out that that's the equivalent to about 39, 39 and a half mm. points per game in today's NBA. And of course, if you take him off that team, they're absolute hot garbage. We actually have to make an amendment here because we said Nash 2006 10.9 uh, win shares is the same as 2005, but he actually had um, 12.6 in that 06 season. Okay, so he's got one of the worst. One of his still is one. the worst. 12.6 is still low. Because he's got last place. He just doesn't have second last as well. Is that right? That's right. He's yeah. got, he's got uh, third last instead. Yeah. So Giannis in 2020 only had 11.1 yeah. shares. When I was putting this together, I think my eyes glazed over at some point. Yeah, that's When it ticked over into the second hour. Um, <laughs> but I think that's that's really interesting. The other one that, that sticks out to me where there's such... A disparity between what was achieved statistically and mm-hmm. the voters, which I think this was an entirely narrative-based MVP award, and I can see Jordan's uh, going to send daggers my way. He's all see. He's, he just closed his eyes and, and tilted his head back. <laughs> he's not going to like this. <laughs> his one. eyes twitching. But 2010, 2011, uh, Derek Rose. Geez, that was a. I mean, he obviously met the. He was number one seed, so he ticked that box. That's what's required. He had 62 wins. But win shares, 13.1. Man, that's only marginally better than Nash's, mm. which is um, not that great. Very, very low, historically speaking, and of anyone in the last uh, bunch of years. But um, on top of that, his PAR is 23.5, which, again, outside of Steve Nash is like the lowest player efficiency rating of any MVP since yeah. 2000. Really, really low. And then his, his PRA um, is a 36.8, which is outside of Nash, again, the, um, the lowest of, of any player in the last 23 years as well. So it's a little bit... Uh, that was definitely a little bit of a narrative-based um, MVP award, I think. I know that a lot of players said they feared Rose and all the rest, and he was able to elevate the Bulls. But my opinion is still that he was just a volume scorer that was, you know, didn't play defense, really. Right. And when that's your point guard, who's a yeah, spectacular scorer, but you're not so much making anyone else better, 
there's a ceiling on your team, arguably. So if you ever want to work out who the MVP is, are you ever in a discussion or you're looking at other candidates or, you know, it's it's a bit unsure, uh, unclear on who, who it might be, uh, the best thing to do is just refer to the definitive MVP checklist. Right. Would you want to give us a quick recap? Well, you've got to be uh, top one, one, two, three seed in the M- NBA in your conference. You have to be, you know, uh, a top uh, top five in uh, player efficiency rating. Typically, you need to be top three in uh, win shares or win shares per forty eight minutes. Uh, or you, you need to be having a uh, historical season of some magnitude. And this is what history this has what, told us. We're not just saying this. This is no, what, no. This you is look it. at every MVP; they've ticked these boxes, exactly. except, as we said, those outliers. Yes, we, they've we, only Russ been... in twenty seventeen, Jokic in twenty twenty two, and twenty twenty three's up for. Up for debate. It's a possibility, but those we'll guys see. did something so historic mm. that it sort of overrode yes. everything else. And now Nikola Jokic is the first player in NBA history to tick every single box, then a whole bunch of extra boxes, and then also achieve something historical too. And, you know, based on all of that, it's it's like if you're not giving it to him, you're setting a brand new precedent, which we could see mm. this year. It could be another narrative-based one, but we'll have to wait and see. This is also good if you're having arguments with your mates yeah, you about just, who's winning. You just use all of this data. All, all the stats are there. You can go online and have a look yourself. It's all there. You can see the nice <laughs> the nice collection of, of information and leaderboards that show that Nikola is ahead of Embiid in just about every single material statistic that there is that counts towards the MVP. Then you can absolutely, yeah, own your mates in the debate. Have ammo. Yeah. Up your, up your arsenal. <laughs> Bit like when you pulled up at school uh, in 2018 oh. <laughs> with cameraman, editor, producer Jordan, oh and my said, gosh. have a look at this bad boy. I've not only got all the ammo, I've printed it out for your convenience. And that was when you were trying to tell him Derek Rose is not your MVP. No, it was that Chris Paul was a better point guard than Derek Rose. Oh, yeah. I knew and it was some sort of Derek Rose. I tell you what. Controversy. I've never had a take that's aged so well. <laughs> no, don't. He's, he was almost going to turn the camera off. <laughs> He's saying cut like yeah, we're yeah. running out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been one of the more compet. Probably there's an argument that this is the most competitive MVP race that we might have ever had, or it's up there at the very least. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We will. Um, in the meantime, let us know who you think the MVP is. Let us know whether you like or hate our system. Mm-hmm. Always the people who hate it who are much more motivated to comment. But, let us know. You know, tell us why we're wrong. Yeah. Tell, tell me I'm wrong. Tell Alex why he's wrong. Yeah. And for those that are asking in the comments all the time, are we actually doing this live? Uh-huh. Whilst they are, I'm going to come clean. <laughs> Whilst we are running these recordings live, they are not, uh, they are pre recorded. So that's we, confusing. But I know, but we are available in the comment section to reply to your comments, which we d- have been doing. So uh, don't feel like 
Um, we're going to be distracted doing the podcast and not able to get to your comments. We'll actually be sitting there through the live stream, able to reply to everyone. So it's better than live. It's better because than live. Because we are in the comments, like you said, able to reply, able to respond to your takes. So let us know. We see them all. We see all the people saying, get to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's just a reminder not to, not to waffle on. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of waffling on. <laughs> let's, yeah. The people keep us honest. It's what we want. Let's uh, Accountability. We could uh, just about say that we've probably done this to death. <laughs> and and yeah. we'll, we'll let the punters uh, discuss. We will. We'll see you in the comments and we'll see you next week. 